If history repeats itself, Pastor Xavier Reese warns the record of God over and over. Please, we take notice. The record is clear even as God judged the world of knowing when, why, how it happened. He judged Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome, and he told that before it happened. He's left these records that he did judge these nations. What would make us believe that God is no longer judging nations today in our present history? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Plagues of frogs, flies, boils, and lethal hailstorms certainly make for epic Hollywood movie productions. But to God, such divine displays demonstrate His direct judgment for disobedience is real. And as our Simple Truths series in the book of Exodus continues in chapter 9 today, Pastor Xavier once again stresses the fact that God's holiness and righteousness is presently alive and well, and not merely relegated as the latest blockbuster of the silver screen. Four plagues have been poured out by God on Egypt up to this point. The Nile was turned into blood. There were the frogs, the lice, and the flies. At the uh, fourth of flies, God separated the Hebrews from the Egyptians in chapter 8, verse 23. Greater evidence that it wasn't just happenstance or just uh, natural phenomena. God was the one directing these plagues and judgment. And yet the heart of Pharaoh continues to fight against God, adding to his own hurt. And therefore, Yahweh continues to pour out his plague judgments on the gods of Egypt, revealing that they're powerless, they're no gods at all. And so what we want to do is focus on these next three plagues, which brings us up to seven of the ten. Let me read here chapter 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and tell him, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, my, let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field and your horses, your donkeys, your camels, your oxen, and the sheep. A very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of the Israelites and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of that which belongs to the children of Israel. And then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And so the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. And then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites were dead, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. And so the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourself a handful of ashes from the furnace, and let Moses scatter it towards the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils to break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them towards heaven, and they caused boils to break out in sores in man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Pharaoh because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. And then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart, and on your servants and on the people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. And so, and now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, 
then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause very great uh, heavy hail to rain down such as has not been in Egypt since the founding of until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servant and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servant and his livestock in the field. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven that they may uh, be hail in all the land of Egypt, man and beast, in on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod towards heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darting on the ground. And the Lord rained hail in the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. The hail struck every man of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron. And he said to them, I have sinned this time. And the Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more uh, mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. And I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of this city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head of the flax, but in the bud. But the wheat and the spell were not struck, for they are late crops." And so Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and he spread out his hands to the Lord. And then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured out on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more. And he hardened his heart, he and his servants. And so the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord has spoken by Moses. The next three plagues. Pharaoh's hard not to crack. Four have been given. It's not enough. The fifth one is the plague of disease in verse 1 through 7. The sixth one is the plague of boils, 8 through 12. And the seventh one here, which is the plague of hail, 13 through 35. So you have the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. The fifth plague here in the first seven verses of disease. Notice that the commission of Moses to go to Pharaoh once more is given to us here in verse 1 through 4. And in verse 1, the command of Moses to deliver the message to Pharaoh directly from God. He's God's representative. The authority has not changed. The Lord Yahweh is sending Moses. Thus said the Lord God of the Hebrews. He's a personal God. This is the fourth time he relates himself as the God of the Hebrews. The message, again, has not changed. Let my people go to serve me. They were serving Pharaoh under bondage. This is not a plea. This is a command to Pharaoh as the others. And the purpose is clear. God wanted them to serve him, not Pharaoh under bondage. And so he's come to deliver them. Now, notice in verse 2, the warning about disobedience by Pharaoh comes. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold him. This is the fourth ultimatum. 
promising retaliation by Yahweh. You know as parents, you warn your children, you instruct your children, you tell them if you do this, I'll do this and that, and you warn them. But then in the face of all warning, if they get in your face or cross that line, you don't go and say, oh, you nightly, come here, let me get, no, you whack them, you, you restrict them, you, you do what you have to, right? Because they've insulted you, right? And then let's give God a break. Okay? He hardens his heart, he gets in God's face, God says, I can handle it. If that's how you want to play hardball, it's fine with me. This is dependent on human choice. God's hoping that repentance come. In verse 3, the consequences was the plague of disease. The source again is Yahweh, the hand of the Lord on the cattle, the field, the horses, the donkeys. In verse 3 there, the hand is anthropomorphic term. God has no hand, but it's to describe what he's doing. The hand is always God's power, God's might. It's used over 200 times in the Old Testament as he moves. The method would be a very severe pestilence. And the word pestilence here means a plague of moraine, death on the cattle. Now, notice how he says it from different angles and from different specifics, to not to bore you, but to let you know this is not natural phenomena. This is a supernatural divine judgment in plague, okay? The Hebrew livestock, notice in verse 4, would be exempt from the plague now, again, like other times. It would be for protection. The Lord would make a difference. The word difference there means to mark out, to distinguish. And God always distinguishes between those that are his, those that are not. How do we know those that are his? Through obedience. Through being walking with God. Believing God's word. That's how we know. So nothing shall die, it says in verse 4 there, of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Now, the execution of the plague by God in verse 5 and 7 the exact time of the plague is stated because he's in charge. The Lord Yahweh pointed a set time. The deadline? Tomorrow. The Lord will do this thing in the land. Once again, God is merciful here. What does he do? He gives one day of repentance. You see, I can give you more evidence for God's patience and for God to provide evidence before he brings judgment. And I can equally at the same time show you the evidence against man for the goodness of God. You understand? The summary statement in verse 6, the confirmation, Yahweh brought the plague from forth himself. The separation, distinguishing the Hebrew from the Israeli, the livestock there in verse 6. And the declaration was, so the Lord Yahweh did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of the Egyptians died. But the livestock of the children of Israel, not one. Remember the frogs? Not one. Remember the lice? Not one. Everything, exactly to the detail. This is miraculous. Now notice the reference to all here in verse 6. It means all that were in the field died. Not that all of the Egyptian livestock died, for others will die in the seventh plague in verse 19 and 25. So you look at the context, all in the field. He's very specific. So what seems to be a seeming contradiction is cleared up if we just look at it properly and we do good observation. Verse 7, the Pharaoh sent Egyptians to verify the, the health of the Hebrew livestock. So he sent his, his city inspectors investigation, they send indeed not one, not one of the livestock of the Israelis was dead. The retaliation of Pharaoh was what? But the heart of Pharaoh became hard. He did not let the people go. Kabad, heavy, insensible, dull. His own doing. God has nothing to do with Pharaoh making decisions against God. Be careful of accusing God in that. It'll be more clear as, as we move along. God has judged nations in the past history and has gone out of his way to record that in Scripture. 
to warn us and that we might not mark them as coincidence. The record is clear, even as Scott judged the world of Noah in chapter 6 to 8, very detailed, when, why, how it happened. God judged the builders of the Tower of Babel. He tells you why and how it happened in Genesis 11. He judged Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And he told that before it happened. Daniel 2, Daniel 7. He's left these records that he did judge these nations. What would make us believe that God is no longer judging nations today in our present history? Like Pharaoh. We certainly cannot know for sure that God is acting in judgment when there are natural disasters at all times. But we certainly, nor should we, merely exclude them altogether. I can't tell you for sure, but it's certainly a possibility. The Bible is clear that God is acting in our present history in judgment for those who reject God through conscience, history, and creation. When Paul wrote this in Romans 1, 18 through 21, he was speaking to not only that generation, but to all future generations when they would read the scriptures like you and myself. It's an ongoing present. Listen to him carefully. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what was may be known of God is manifested in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. He's going all the way back to the garden, all the way back to the Tower of Babel, and all the way to the present day where he was, and to the future. Men have the knowledge of God. They've chosen to reject the knowledge of God, and live contrary to it, and corrupt it, and pervert it. You understand? Each generation makes that decision. Every nation makes that decision. Every family makes that decision. Every individual makes that decision. Jesus also will judge people and nations, as you know, when he returns to the earth. Paul puts it this way in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-10. Since it is righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are uh, trouble rests with us when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, to be admired with, among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. He's talking about the second coming, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, Jesus is the ultimate authority. And in Matthew 24, and 24 and 25 always go together. Remember that. In 24 and 25, Matthew is Jewish ground. The church is nowhere in there. Don't let anybody tell you the church is in there. Okay? Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 24, 31 through 34. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's at the second coming, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those who are on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. And then, as you know, for the goats to the left hand, depart. That context, ladies and gentlemen, in Matthew 24, and as he goes on to 25 with the cup of cold water, 
is Jewish ground. And God will reward those who treat the Jew properly during the Great Tribulation. It's not for missions. It's out of context. You did it to the least of my brother. You did it unto me. It's for the Jew who's mistreated and persecuted during the tribulation period. But he judges nations. The fifth plague of disease did not cause the heart of Pharaoh to repent. Now, as far as I'm concerned, God has been judging nations throughout history and continues to do so. Looking back and knowing Hitler and his agenda and his diabolical scheme, God judged him. He may have done it through nations, but he judged them. Because if Hitler could have made a world empire, then we, could have, we had to throw our Bibles away. Because God said there would never be another world empire after Rome until the ten-nation confederacy. Rome and the ten tells. God is judging. He says and gives all ungodliness. Fifth didn't do, the sixth plague comes with boils. Verse 8 and 9, the command by Yahweh to Moses and Aaron comes. The method was prescribed by Yahweh unannounced due to Pharaoh's disobedience like the third plague lies completing the second cycle of threes. Again, because of his hardness of heart, his rebelliousness, he's not warned. It just comes. The instruction the Lord Yahweh said to Moses, take for yourselves a handful of ashes from the furnace. The application, let Moses scatter it to the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, the goddess of the air. Isis. He has no power against God. He controls the air. The outcome would be the plague in verse 9. The power of God would be evident. It will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt. The judgment of God would be for the first time endangering humans. Notice. And it will cause boils to break out on sores on man and beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And so the execution of it comes in verse 10 and 11 by Moses and Aaron, and the miraculous judgment took place right before the very eyes of Pharaoh. Don't miss that. In verse 10, then they took ashes from the brick-making furnace and stood before Pharaoh. The very furnace where he had the slaves working to make brick. (laughs) Interesting. What goes around comes around, right? You sow, you reap. Moses tosses the ash into the air, very symbolic, and Moses scattered them throughout the heavens. The judgment fell immediately, it says, and they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beast. The word boils means inflamed spots, eruptions. Sores means blisters. Many people say maybe elephantitis and they go and talk. Listen, it boils. One boil is bad enough. You don't want two. Let alone a whole bunch of them all over your body. Okay? And because of this, now you have ulcerated, pus-infected blisters. Same word is used in Leviticus 13, and Job certainly had these from head to toe. Now notice in verse 11, the Egyptians alone were struck. The magicians were struck with great pain. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians. So all of a sudden, these religious men who are so powerful, they're not powerful anymore. And by the way, now they're unclean. And they're unclean. They can't do the service of the temple. So the service of building is gone. The Nile has been struck. you got... All kinds of stuff with the frogs, you got lies, you got everything else. I mean, one by one, Egypt is coming to a screeching halt. This is the fifth and final time you will see these men. They're gone. They're done. You'll never hear of them again. The boils were all over the Egyptians, verse 11 says. 
Yahweh allowed the first three to affect Egyptian and Hebrews. Yahweh set apart the land Goshen on the fourth plague in chapter 8, verse 22. And then Yahweh gave the reason, in order that you may know that I am the Lord Yahweh in the midst of the land. It is I who's doing this. It's not coincidence. It's not natural phenomena. Your gods aren't rebelling. This is me. And so the rebellious heart of Pharaoh was respected by God. Keep that in mind. Verse 12. The Lord Yahweh strengthened Pharaoh in his decision to not yield. Listen to the words. But, sharp contrast, but the Lord Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh. This is the first time, the only time, the first time that we see it here, that God hardens the heart of Pharaoh. He makes it firm. All along to this point, the hardening of heart has been Pharaoh's doing by his own will. Now he says, I respect your choice, and I strengthen you in that position. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, if he forces them to obey, you'll tell me it's not fair, so which way you want it? God will not force you to obey. God will not force you to believe. God will not force you to go to heaven. In fact, he will respect your choice, which is a very dangerous thing. The word is shazak. To strengthen, to make firm, to honor his choice. And by the way, God had told Moses his call and his commission in 421 that he was going to harden the Pharaoh. But it's not till right now for the first time that he strengthens it in the position of his constant rebelliousness. So you can't blame God. The result was the same defiance as always. He did not heed them just as the Lord Yahweh has spoken Moses. There are eight refusals by Pharaoh. God knew it all along by his foreknowledge. So you can't fault God. His foreknowledge means he knows it before it happens. But never think that foreknowledge means that God makes a person do evil because then God would be unjust. If God forces someone to do evil and then judges them, then you've got bad theology. (laughs) You're wrong. God's just telling you what he knows in the heart of that person and he knows what he's going to do. So he's not predetermined that person to do that. He's just announcing what he's going to do. Yet God, by his goodness and mercy, gave opportunity for the repentance of what? The other Egyptians right here. Pharaoh's hard. Some of the servants are hard. But there's others who are not. So you never have to worry that God's going to punish you for someone else's sin. We we looked at Ezekiel chapter 3, 18 and 33. He doesn't judge you for your kids' sins or your kids for your sins. Each person has a responsibility to interact it. And he'll deal with that. But individually, you pay for your own. You understand? The sciences of our day are much like Pharaoh, rejecting the evidence of God and teaching evolution and a hypothesis of that, interpreting geological column and the evidence of fossil records, billions and trillions of years that progressively came to the present form, refusing rather to believe the evidence as God's judgment. We stand, we live over a cemetery, ladies and gentlemen, in the geological column, and the the fossil record cries out, Judgment! And if we interpret like that, then we'll end up with God. (laughs) The fossil record is a sedimentary deposit, is a further evidence of rapid burial. Because you can't make fossils unless it's buried instantly. And by the way, it's all over the world, not regional, not local. You can't explain it away. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is not hard evidence. The problem is hard hearts, not hard heads. It's your heart. That's the problem. The sixth plague of boils did not cause the heart of Pharaoh. 
to repent. Pastor Xavier Reese has been highlighting the plagues of Exodus on Simple Truths once again today as an illustration that God patiently continues to get the attention of our heart as well. And there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you'll want to ask for is simply Pharaoh's Heart of Stone. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Pharaoh's Heart of Stone. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com